0: This week on The Guardian Audio Edition, Martine White is a product of British welfare, not Mick Philpot. Film star Eva Mendes, I don't care about looking beautiful. And in this week's audio book review, we're investigating mysteries for younger listeners, with Anne Cassidy's latest, Killing Rachel. To subscribe for free, go to audible.co.uk forward slash guardian, or find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Boo. The Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. The Guardian.
1: Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, we've got Noah and the Wales Charlie Fink joining us in the studio.
0: Tracks from Duke Dumont, Phoenix and Carbon Silicate in Singles Club. And the surprise return
1: of Fall Out Boy.
0: All here on Music Weekly from The Guardian.
1: I'm delighted to welcome our studio guest this week, Charlie Fink of Nowhere in the World. Well. Hello, Charlie. How are you doing? Hello. Good, thanks. Um, so, we have before us Heart of Nowhere, your latest album, which is due out... Uh, May 6th. May the 6th. You said you just finished a film, an accompanying film.
2: That's Isn't right, it? yeah. There's like a, a short film that goes with the album uh, that we, we, we finished three days ago. So. Can you
1: reveal any more details about the yeah.
2: film? Well, I guess uh, the film, um, it's a half an hour... Uh, Film that's kind of uh, I've I've actually made with a previous album. I did a short film, Um, but the difference between the two is this one is um, more conventional, sort of dialogue short film that um, evolves the themes of the record rather than with the last one, which was more of sort of a extended music video.
1: Okay, so what 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 are the themes of the record? Um,
2: uh, I guess I guess that what combines the two is it's uh, sort of a tales. It's like a coming of age film, and so it's sort of about the end of adolescence. Um, themes of friendship and memory, which I think are on the record as well.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Is it um, your last album? I think it's fair to say it was a departure. Uh-huh. Would you would you say it's fair? I'd say that's fair. Yeah. Fair comment. Um, for people who haven't, for the benefit of our listeners, obviously haven't heard this yet, um, is this more of the same? Is this taking you in a different direction? What have you done? Because it's quite a bold thing you did in your last record.
2: Yeah, well, I, I feel like we actually because this is the fourth record, yeah. and the previous three have all been quite different from the others like they're all they're all quite different sounds i think what we were curious to investigate on this record was what was sort of the thread that combined those three like what what it was that identified us as being this band Mm. and so i think we tried to make a record that draws upon a bit of everything so i say it's probably less of an extreme departure than the last one and more i don't know i feel like hopefully it sort of consolidates what we've done a little One day things
3: will turn out as planned. You'll have her in the palm of your hand, but it's not tonight. No, not tonight. One day she'll look at you and say, I never thought I could feel this way, but it's not
1: You know, you could say with the last record, oh, they made this big pop album, and but actually, I was thinking about it this morning. I think actually, the thing that you, you know, had you been chasing commercial success in a rabid way, the thing to do really would have been to make another sort of folky kind of record, given yeah. the you know, to me, in the prevailing climate, There's a bit more of that on here. Um, <clears> this the the main difference maybe is this album was recorded
2: live, oh, and really? so so that maybe lends itself to feeling more, I mm-hmm. guess, organic or something. When
1: you say recorded live, how live?
2: Pretty much everything. I mean. I mean, there's a few tracks where there's, like, a string quartet, and so it would be the band playing with the quartet, vocals live, and then there'd be, like, a few wow. overdubs
1: here and there. This, um, is, this is really interesting. There seems to be... And I mean, I might be wrong here. Because, obviously, actually, on one level, I am wrong, because there's loads of, sort of, you know, chart pop being made that's being made by Bloke on his laptop. But there does seem to be a sort of movement away from recording on Pro Tools and doing that kind of thing, and actually trying to make a slightly more organic record. Mm. certainly... Daft Punk who are probably uh, you know more responsible than anybody for the way the charts sound at the moment unwittingly um, you know their new album is, is completely recorded not live really, but I mean, it's yeah. all live instruments there's no yeah. computers on it da, da 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 what is it about the appeal? what's the appeal of doing it that way I guess there's a few
2: things. I mean, one, it's like a much more enjoyable way to make a record. You know, it feels much more, re- and it's kind of a cliche, but a more real way to make a record. You know, you feel like you're a real band when you're walking back into the control room having just done a bunch of takes and, sure. you know, the tape machine's turning around. And then I guess the sort of deal you make when you make a record live, I suppose, is that you switch a sort of technical perfection for more of an emotional intensity. I suppose that's a deal you make, mm-hmm. um, that it's... The sort of the flaws that you get from recording live become the things that maybe people connect with, that, that it's like there's like a sort of human touch to it that, that, that connects with people somehow maybe
1: I, th- no, I think that's really true, I think if you listen even to kind of pop music from, you know, when I was a child in the in the early eighties, it sounds used to a record like by like Banana Rama or something, <laughs> and it just sounds insane because the vocals are really off. You know, no one's invented kind of you know auto tuning technology. This the vocals are kind of madly off key, and it's like wow, you know, you listen to some really people who couldn't sing back in the day. But actually, there's something very human, and there's something you know, sort of emotionally. You know it's sort of it, it, the, the, I feel might have got sort of technology might have sucked a little bit out of music and all the more so for a band like yourselves really who you know don't come from that kind of glossy pop background at all you know it, it, you, you have some sort of more folky kind of beginnings mm-hmm.
2: no I totally agree I mean uh, for me some of the, the the great records you listen to them if you Listen to them on a technical level; they're all over the place. Like Ziggy Stardust, it's all over the place. Really, you know, the timing, the tuning—it's it's, it's crazy. But it's obviously one of the greatest records ever made. Mm. Um, and there's also, you know, there's a Bob that Bob Dylan, in Nashville Skyline. Mm-hmm. There's like a bit in the duet he does with Johnny Cash, where him and Johnny Cash sing the wrong lyrics to each other. They're sort of trying to yeah. duet, and they both go off on. Du- and there's just something really that I just I connect with it. It's you get the feeling that you're actually listening to people singing a song rather than I don't know. But then, having said that, I mean. I don't feel like we were trying to make a treatise on how a record sure, should sure. be made. You know, like the, the, There's amazing records being made that have made the complete opposite way that I really love. So mm-hmm. I think it's whatever um, works for whatever you're trying to express. I, ju- I
1: just think... It, no, I wasn't suggesting that you'd done it as kind of, that, you know, we are Noah and the Whale and this is our sort of our marker. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think it's interesting that people are moving back towards that. And there is, yeah. you know, particularly bands are moving back towards them. I mean, there's, there's no way... That kind of a dance producer something can move away from me, but I just don't find it interesting.
3: Your parents hide, they live in fear, they're lying restless as the dawn gets near. Do you want to live? You want to try? You hear the whisper of the world outside.
1: Were you surprised by the success of your last album because it seemed to be successful I remember looking at the uh, end of your album so, mm. and you were literally like the only band of your ilk yeah. that were any you know that had sold any kind of meaning... not meaningful quality that's terrible thing to say but you know <laughs> any meaningful quantity I don't right know why everyone else just doesn't give up um, I didn't mean that but you know you'd sold a lot of records at a time when you know for want of a better phrase alternative guitar rock is not really shifting copies We, we were you sort of taken aback by that
2: yeah I suppose it was a surprise I mean yeah it, it, it's strange and it, you're right when you looked at the other people who are kind of doing the same kind of business you're kind of like really you know yeah. the same as them but obviously you know it's it's uh, it's a no bad thing I suppose for us you know mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. are you heading out on tour shortly uh,
2: we are yeah we've got uh, a tour coming up beginning at the end of April uh, and in London, actually, we're doing uh, a, a residency, a month of Sundays at the Palace Theatre. So playing every Sunday. Palace Theatre in Victoria. The one, no, the one um, Tottenham Court Road. Okay. Just there. They, I, I, it's most recently we're showing lot, I believe. Really? Yeah. So this is kind of a
1: big venue, and you're playing every every see big seated venue. That's
2: right. Yeah. Every Sunday. Wow. Yeah.
1: And we're going to do because showing the
2: showing the film, and, and, and then you know we'll probably do a couple of sets around it, and um, it should be it should be a good night. Just show a
3: little faith in me I'm standing right in front of you Just show a little faith in me Over the passing of time Over the passing
1: We'll be hearing more from Charlie um, shortly, because he's taking part in Singles Club. He's brought, um, brought a good track in, actually. Anyway, uh, news. Kieran, what news?
0: Unlikely collaborations that I thought were going to be terrible were actually quite good. Go on, then. Uh, Missy Elliott and Little Mix.
1: How's that going? How's that working it was out very for, good. for good everybody, video. really?
0: Yeah, I thought it was That's good. good. Okay. And Snoop Lion and Miley Cyrus.
1: Snoop Lion Ly- Snoop I haven't heard any well, of Snoop, Snoop Lion's work I did read mm. his interview uh, in uh, Guardian Weekend <laughs> where he kept giving marijuana to, uh, to Simon Hattonstone which is uh, remarkable and brilliantly Simon Hattonstone oh well you know just this once <laughs> you know? um, it's a great thing Simon has had a big big you know he had a big toke on this glyph, at which point Snoop Dogg and you can just imagine Snoop Dogg said this went, welcome to California <laughs> um, uh, but I haven't actually heard any of his work I believe I'm reviewing his album next week okay. how, how is his roots reggae direction I mean he's actually claiming to be the reincarnation of bob Marley i yes. believe
0: that's that's the uh, p r line
1: um how is that how's that panning out with miley cyrus
0: um well I think that she also sees um you know Jamaica as her it's her homeland, so I think she's also what? trying to channel. That's what she's trying to channel. <laughs> what you got to follow her, her Tumblr. dad's Bluey Ray Cyrus. Gotta f- got find her Tumblr. She's yeah, she feels very connected to Jamaica as her homeland. Yeah. According does to her, she? According to her Tumblr and her Twitter. So, in what sense I'm sorry this is a- I think that she just smokes a lot of weed
1: oh right okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, are we allowed to say that? Do we, is that is that is that is that a widely well, she, known fact yeah, that she of course smokes a lot of weed is it yeah, yeah right, it is okay. yeah, yeah. you know that as well I right? mean, she, Charlie knows that you know that it's all
0: good she's quite like, self-referential about the amount of weed that she smokes. does she yeah and how much it informs her music and her oh, style
1: teen pop. I love it when teen <laughs> pop stars go a bit you know
0: <laughs> but you know recently she uh, she released that video of her twerking you know about twerking don't you Alexis and I taught you about like the bum dancing,
1: the bum dancing. Yeah, is that the something bum that my dancing. daughter would invent? <laughs> daddy, daddy, look at me do the bum dancing.
0: Um, what? what the- anyway, it's it's like a it's a thing that you do in dance hall and Bashman dancing from Jamaican dance halls. Okay, originally, originally. is it like it, daggering? It's kind of like daggering, right. but it's more kind of just uh, shaking your bum cheeks in unison with the with the music or with the beat. Anyway, Miley well, Cyrus, doesn't like doing that. Miley Cyrus did a like a twerking video the other day. What um, just the video of her shaking her bum? Exactly, in homage to Jamaica. That dancers. is that
1: is an idea that you would come up with <laughs> if you were smoking a lot of weed. Exactly. I know. I, I know what. I tell you what. I'm what I'm going to do. Right, it's going to be brilliant. I'm going to wave my bum about and make a video and put it on my Tumblr.
0: Exactly. Everyone's going to be amazed. Yeah,
1: that's great, Miley. Great. Um, She's okay. A maverick of so, um, so how is it sounding though? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, um, I think
0: it's too easy to to kind of have that immediate reaction of being like oh you know she's a kind of wayward pop star and he's the reincarnation of Omari obviously this pairing is going to be terrible but actually I think that it is well produced and it does sound good I mean it's not exactly <laughs> it's not exactly you know uh, fantastic reggae roots that we might be used to if you know is it but, it but I mean is it identifiably
1: like, a reggae record or is yeah, it, it pop? So. Oh, is it right okay. I would say
0: so yeah it's good um, yeah.
1: I noticed uh, I've been listening to the new album of the AAS, yeah. and they put a thing on uh, a website where it's every track, and they introduce a track, and mm-hmm. there's uh, the most disheartening introduction to any song I've ever heard. Uh, the woman at the AAS goes, "Yeah, I was listening to a lot of uh, a lot of roots reggae, and I thought wouldn't it be great if we did a roots reggae song? No, no, <laughs> the last thing in the world I want is three New York hipsters <laughs> making with the irie, you know. it's <laughs> um, And actually, the record doesn't sound anything like that. It's actually rather good, but um, it's just one of those things. It's you know. No,
0: but there are so some good. dub
1: overtones to There's very strong dub overtones to it, but it's just the way she said it's, it's uh, mm. Raz Michael or someone. She's <laughs> Don't make a record that sounds Dude's like, uh, like a probably heavy Rasta kind of, you know, um, vibes.
0: Haven't the Yeah Yeah Yeah's also banned camera phones at their gigs? Have you seen this new story? Have they? Yeah, do you, how apparently. do you feel
1: about camera phones at gigs, Charlie? Uh, it's, it's a modern phenomenon. Yeah, you know, I, I feel okay about it if people really? want to take a little memento. Does it not annoy you? I went to see uh, Jake Bogg recently because i'm keeping in touch with the young people's music and um uh, half the audience is 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 it not off-putting because it's, it's it's isn't it turning a live experience into like a televised experience in a slightly old i guess
2: way? i mean i guess it's it's weird from uh i'd find it a disconnect if you're in the audience and you're watching yeah. the gig through a screen you yeah. might you know takes you out of the show a little bit mm. but um, I mean, that's quite a hard thing to police, I suppose, if, you know. Yeah,
1: you can stop. <laughs> well, I mean, the AAS are going to have <laughs> a go. Yeah, how yeah, are they going to do it? What are they going to do?
0: Well, I think they've just banned any filming. Oh, so really? it's like, you know, when you go to the theatre or whatever and, and all the ushers come in and tell you to stop filming. It might be. That but it's very thing. different. It's more, a lot easier. Yeah, well, of course. But I guess if, I mean, if it's like a seated gig or... I don't know. Like, I guess you could do it at the HammerSmith Apollo, couldn't you? At the top, you could come so. and be like, "Stop doing that."
1: Yeah, I guess. Well, the, mm. let's, I mean, the best of luck to them, I think. You yeah. know, um, I always think it
0: must be weird for bands as well because you can't see the, the kind of visible reaction of the audience's faces because they're all just looking up at their phones, aren't they? <laughs> to look at you, so I don't know what, what effect that. It, do, it
2: also have. means that you know every show you do in some way is chronicled. You yeah. know what mm. I mean? And that's actually it's funny because when we were touring the last record a lot that was pretty much how my family stayed in contact with me they'd they'd, they'd go go on YouTube and like you know past 24 hours and there'd be all these videos of of, of the gig really it
1: must um, it must be horrifying I mean I'm sure you know you have off nights <laughs> and you know there must be that knowledge of when you've had a real stinker and it's, um, it's been captured so and it's something. like oh god, oh my god
2: we'll look through that again tomorrow is that, the thing mm-hmm. is i guess what's good is that there's such a volume of it that it kind of
1: gets lost yeah you know? absolutely yeah 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 no no totally 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 well the other big news story of the week, the, the only news story in some ways i mean you know far be it from me to say this is bigger news than yeah 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 banning, banning camera phones and the gigs margaret thatcher died you might have heard and there's been a lot of talk about music uh, Margaret Thatcher's effect upon music, and you know a lot of usual kind of things have got mentioned, like records like Shipbuilding and Ghost Town, and Stand Down Margaret. Um, and I was sort of thought, oh, we're trying to do something different, you know, because I mean, you sort of got to address it in some way. And I was initially trying to find a pro Margaret Thatcher record, and the only one I could find was by Jonathan King <laughs> 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 with Friends Like Those. Um, and anyway, I couldn't couldn't find any uh, any um, Evidence of this record, though it does exist on the internet, called We Can't Let Maggie Go. But what I did find, um, and I think there should have been more people talking about this record this week, is a record by a guy called Renault, Renault. I suppose. French uh, singer-songwriter, somewhat. In the uh, Serge Gainsbourg mould, who in the mid '80s had a huge hit in France with a record called Miss Maggie, and um, I'm not saying it's 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 a lost classic. I mean, I'm really not saying it's a lost classic, but there's a video of it on YouTube, and the lyrics are absolutely astonishing. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna translate the lyrics are translated on YouTube, and so we're gonna play a little bit of uh, of, of Renault, Miss Maggie, and I'm just gonna read the translation out to you as we go, and I mean, people say the art of process music is dead I I, I think, the art of this is the sound of of process music, kind of, I don't know what it's doing dying in a fog of a the lyrics are just bizarre, anyway, here we go (laughs) Women, I love you all for your weakness and for your eyes whereas the man's strength only rests within his tail and his gunfire when doomsdays come, eventually you'll find hell crowded with he-fools. It's not enough mention of he-fools. Oh, playing who has the longest pee, playing with footballs and war tools. But I would like a dog to be, <laughs> and to keep on earth forever. And by way of street lamp, <laughs> daily I would pee on Madame Thatcher. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Uh, as critiques of the Thatcher regime go, I think it's fair to say that's probably the most... Ferocious. Um, I wish you, you heard that more than you. As much as you get, Renault. I mean, if he's still alive, I assume he's still alive. Mm-hmm. He's smoking a cigarette there on stage. So maybe not. We've had everybody else's opinion. You know. <laughs> Tell you what, people who, if you're making the programme like at Margaret Thatcher, don't book Louise Mensch. Don't book her again. <laughs> get Renault on because Louise Mensch. I can't avoid her. You know. It's, anyway, so let's let's carry on. Anyway, there you go. A little bit of French protest music for you there. Time to ruminate on three new tracks and singles club. Charlie, guests first, let's listen to your choice. <laughs> that's Entertainment by Phoenix the Blood Orange remix of Entertainment by Phoenix um, that's um, Charlie from No In The Wales Choice. Charlie tell us about this record tell us why you brought it yeah
2: well <clears throat> I mean I'm a fan of Phoenix a big fan of Phoenix um, and I'm also uh, more and more becoming a big fan of uh, Dev Hines mm. who's uh, mm. Blood Orange like maybe three of the best tracks I've heard this year have been he's been involved in some way like I love that Solange track mm. maybe that was last year I can't remember and, mm. and I, I really love the stuff he wrote with Sky Ferreira and I love this um, I think it's really exciting uh, and I think because uh, it's the the girls from Sugar Babes I think or the the former lineup of Sugar Babes yes they were yeah, recording provide the My vocals well they provide the vocals on this remix I see yeah. and, right so that's Mutia and, he's the and, and
1: uh, Siobhan and right, wow that's amazing. right okay. and,
2: and he's making their record I think he's yeah. producing their record yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things, you get into those debates, don't you, with the remix, which is better, the original or mm. the, the remix. But, I, I mean, I, I think both are great. But I think this is...
1: Is this radically different from the original version? It is pretty different, actually. Yeah.
2: I mean, um, it's definitely got his... I mean, I feel like he's got a sound now, to me. Like, there's, you, can, you can almost like identify a Dave Hines record right now. Yeah. And it has, it has that stamp on it, I think.
1: Yeah. No, we've talked about Dave Hines before on this show and his sort of remarkable...
2: Yeah.
0: Because
1: I saw the test icicles live ones and that was not a man I would have picked. <laughs> you know, to making this record. Kim, what 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 do you make of it?
0: Um yeah, I think it's great. I think especially um in comparison to the original, which is a lot more kind of upbeat. Um this is a really kind of gloopy take on it. It's kind of injected it with a bit of melancholia and having the girls um in the, that backing vocals I think really adds something quite beautiful to it. Um in the same way that they did with the um Kendrick Lamar remix that they did, mm. the swimming pools one, which was really good. But yeah, he kind of completely slows it down and makes it his own. And, yeah, I think that by now he's, he's got a real kind of identity. With I love the, the I love the beat done. on it. I think
1: the beat is a yeah. brilliant, brilliant... Because it's obviously yeah. at a much, operating at a much slower pace than the original. You can just tell that. And there's something that it brings. It seems to mm. bring a kind of... Like a widescreen element or something to the song. You know, it's, mm. there's, it's, I think of sort of wide mm. vistas in... Los Angeles something like that yeah. you it
2: sounds know? more romantic as well I guess yeah. and also I feel like he's bringing back slap bass as well there's like a <laughs> few tracks he's having yeah. yeah. with slap bass in <laughs> but
0: also like the resurgence of having the kind of producer as someone who has a really identifiable, mm. identifiable sound and you can hear immediately like on the on the Justin Timberlake record you could be like yes I can exactly definitely hear Timberland and you know the way that he's progressed yeah. and, and mm. his sound on here I can definitely hear Dev Hines I can definitely mm. hear you know various producers of the moment who are kind of coming back and you recognise them as artists in their own right, which is quite mm. a nice thing, no,
1: isn't it? No, I loved it. I thought it was really good. I'm always, as I said, a bit unsure about Phoenix sometimes. Um, I sometimes find the records a bit... but I do like certain records by them. Um, I like the, the singles off the last album very much, but um, I sometimes find them a little bit uh, clenched and bloodless and, you know, it's 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 sort of... Anyway, but it doesn't really matter what I think about that. But <laughs> in the case of this, this track, um, I, I think it's really, really good. It's around about on the internet, I take it.
2: Yeah, I I, do you, uh, I mean, they actually it was actually streamed on the Guardian's website at some point. So yeah. was it? So you can track it down there. <laughs>
0: it's out on the twenty third of April. Fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. In this in this form,
0: in no, this or oh, just
2: a single? I really. guess it'll be a B single. side or something. Yeah, it, probably? yeah absolutely.
1: Okay, that's um, "Entertained by Phoenix" the Blood Orange remix. Let's move on to Kieran's choice.
4: Need you 100%. I want to be the one you tell all your friends about. Baby, I'll be the one you just can't do
3: without. You got to give me everything, baby, and no doubt. Give me 100. Need
1: you 100. You can always rely on the Guardians uh, Music Weekly podcast to bring you the best music first. Kieran, that's number 1. <laughs> you brought the number 1 recording. <laughs>
0: Look, people don't listen to the chart. Sorry, if you don't know... You you know people uh, don't listen to the chart. Would
1: you you stop interrupting while I try and tell the people what the number one single in Britain is called? (laughs) It's Duke Dumont's Need You 100%. Anyway, yes, carry
0: on. Yes, I brought it in because people don't listen to the chart and I don't think people always know what number one is. Mm -hmm. Um, And this, I think, is particularly important and worthy of discussion because it does show a real shift and it's a really good example of, I don't know, someone kind of fighting the flag or flying the flag, flying the flag, of kind of pop being a little bit more experimental and really representing club culture well. Um so this is by um young eighteen year old producer m and young pop star lit Amy, who's a friend of a pod, and DJ Duke Dumont, and they've um they've been working together and this is kind of co written by all of them and it has vocals from M E K and AME on it. Um and I don't know, I just really liked it because it had that it has that same Sense of what we've heard with Disclosure and Alina George and Rudimental and Bauer with the Harlem Shake that sounds like it's something completely from club culture. It's got those kind of garage and techno and obviously very kind of heavy house um, tones to it. And those are the kind of dominant tempos that you're kind of hearing in club culture at the moment. And to have that really, I don't know, filtering through the pop chart is quite important and it's quite, I don't know, it's quite a nice... Collection or makes the point quite nicely that this is something that's happening and that this is what it sounds like. Which is I like I- it. Exciting. Um,
1: isn't it? I, it, I do like it. I, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by the sort of '90s revival that's yeah. taking place in club culture because that record, you know, it's a very good. Record It sounds like "Show Me Love" by Robin S. Hmm. If you, if you are, you know, of enormously advanced age such as me, you remember that being number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that kind of interesting. In the, 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 the obviously, people have reached a people have reached an age where they can look back at the '90s with a kind of you know, you can see in that band piece as well. They sound like a sort of bang, mm-hmm. um, but I find that intriguing. That aside, I think it's a it's a, it's a good you know it's a really good pop song. Um, that's why it's number one, Charlie. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, this, despite the fact it's number one, that that was actually the first time I heard
2: it, but. Um I thought it sounded good. Yeah, I, I guess it's funny. Like it needs. I always find like songs like that for me. Like you need to hear in the right context, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I went to see um, Spring Breakers the other day. Oh yeah. Um, and I've never, I've, 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 never understood Skrillex at all. Like I've never got what that is until I went to see the film, and really? then just seeing it in the context of the film, it's was kind is of just like,
0: the soundtrack. Doesn't oh wow.
2: He, he does. Yeah, it's him and Cliff Martinez do mm-hmm. the soundtrack. I was like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. And now. It, did, it did really make sense. It, right, it kind so of enough. did, yeah, because it's got. I mean. The film has this like broken sort of non-linear narrative to it, and it's um, kind of really cut up. and And the music against that, with like the imagery it has, it kind of like okay, that's kind of what that's what okay. that's what it's meant to be, I guess.
0: But so there's something great, isn't there? Kind of as not even a backlash against um, you know Simon Cowell's breed of pop or the X Factor pop, but to have something that's kind of signed to the Ministry of Sound at number one mm. is quite exciting, and I think it's quite forward-looking, isn't it?
1: Is it? Yeah, in what way the Ministry of Sound different? I mean, the Ministry of Sound's a huge global. Yeah, I know,
0: but it's, it's a dance track. It's like a really big dance track, and it's experimental and it's doing something different.
1: I, no, I, I, I don't dispute that it is better to have this at number one mm-hmm. than PJ and Duncan doing. Let's get ready. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 no, you know, I'm never going to argue about this. It's a good record, and I think we're all we're all delighted that it's number one and I'm delighted that you've brought it in good for the benefit of people like, like Charlie that's uh, true uh, yeah. you know Thank who you. weren't aware of what's number one I look forward to you bringing in <laughs> digging in the crates bringing in There's this band amazing called Mumford and Sons you won't have heard of it. Um, anyway uh, let's move on finally my choice
3: As the sun will always rise, cause along comes another one, and life's a big surprise, and the sun will always rise.
1: That's Carbon Silicon, big surprise. Um, My choice. I like Carbon Silicon. I always, uh, people When people talk about The Clash, they always, I think because the guy died, it tends to now, the narrative of The Clash tends to focus on Joe Strummer and what he stood for and his songs. And then actually, my favourite uh, songwriter in The Clash was always Mick Jones. I think he's got a really innate, sort of just he writes good kind of like pop tunes. Mm-hmm. My favourite Clash song is Train in Vain, which mm-hmm. is Mick, Mick. Uh, Mick Jones' song, and I think the legacy of Clash means that uh, his current project, Carbon Silicon, um, tends to get a bit overlooked, you know, they put an album out a couple of years ago, The Last Pose, which I thought was really good, um, and just didn't seem to, you know, attract any attention anywhere. This is a new single, um, which has a sort of quite classic I think sort of Mick Jones does that kind of descending glam chord sequence thing quite well. He's a big fan of Mott the Hoople and I think you can always tell that in his in his songwriting. I really like I, I really liked it. It's got a great video on it on the website it's it's sort of being it's up on their website you can buy it on itunes and the video is amazing it's sort of various people stood around in london in that in that bob dylan uh, what's the song subterranean um, Homesick blues. blues way of holding up the lyrics on sort the of mm-hmm. thing but it's an amazing variety of people and there's some sort of famous people in there and then there's kind of you know homeless people and people working in shops that if you know london you sort of recognize someone in the record and tape i noticed in in uh, in berwick street and i just thought the whole thing was quite was was good um Sort of quite moving And I thought oh, it's quite a moving song Very positive Kind of message to it In these troubled times um, And yeah I just I liked it um, Let us talk to Charlie Yeah I thought it was great as well I think um, I get, is, is Mick Jones singing Presumably It is Mick Jones singing Because
2: yeah. it's uh, I like how his voice is sounding It's kind of got that thing Where Dylan's voice went Isn't it That it's yeah. kind of getting gravelly and, Yeah And uh, it's like a life well lived I guess but I think, yeah, it was a cool song and I thought the melody was really cool. And like you say, yeah, nice message, nice video. And it's funny, like that area because it's all shot around sort of Labrick Grove Westway around there, yeah. isn't it? Which is in my head where I, like, whenever I'm in that
1: area, I kind of think of the Clash. Yeah, like, I, don't, you know, I don't think Mick Jones ever actually leaves that <laughs> yeah. part of it. Like, I, think, I think, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. an amazing story about, um, I can't remember who it was, some guy, a club owner in Soho in the 50s. And um, he got taken by somebody to, to Hyde Park. And uh, he went, oh, I've had enough of this. Let's go back to town. <laughs> and I always get that impression with Mick Jones, you know, that it's like he just owns Lama. I once interviewed him there um, at The Electric, and he walked down the street, he walked through Portobello, and it was just like, that's the guy from The Clash walking through West London, you know, and seemed to know everybody. And, 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 and you know, yes, so I, 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 I agree. Kieran.
0: Yeah, I, I quite like that. I don't know when you can hear music that's so geographically mapped, and it's you know the the video is a real kind of ode to London, and you know so is the music, and I don't know that's felt quite strong, and there's such an emotional relationship to the place that it really comes through. And um, saying that, I wasn't a huge fan of the track just because, although it there's something like lovely about it being quite and no life affirming Mm -hmm. and upbeat and quite gentle it's there's something a little bit saccharine about it and i don't know if that's just because i don't know it's it's reactionary to that kind of you know grumpy bitter old man thing Mm. And, it, and it's kind of really turned that on it's head and it's being almost it's over overcompensating and being really like aren't we so glad to be alive and you know restoring faith in the human race and I don't know I don't really I don't really like You don't that. really buy that No I don't really Love and peace really. shit <laughs> I do you feel about that really <laughs> I, really, I really
1: like the idea the guy from The Clash fucking hippie bullshit um <laughs>
0: Uh, the video is like really lovely and it mm. is touching, but it has a slight element of like a comic relief ET or something. Doesn't oh it? no! So, uh, so there is oh, this like no. everyone's like smiling and saying we're happy to be alive. I so wish you hadn't said that. I want to see like donations. No, it's one of those things. It's like moment.
1: when someone tells you that Gerard Depardieu's nose looks like a penis. Does, <laughs> and you just can't look at Gerard Depardieu again. Now you said comic relief. <laughs> right? Ignore, ignore right? what Kieran just said. Try and try and eradicate from your minds. <laughs> The image of comic relief, uh, if you will. And go and have a look at the, uh, at the video on Carbon Silicon's website. Big Surprise is available now on iTunes. And that is Singles Club. At the start of the year, Fallout Boy, on indefinite hiatus since 2009, denied they had any plans to return. But guess what? They were lying. The emo giants have returned with a surprise new album that takes them a long way from their pop-punk roots. Pete Wentz and Patrick Stump came in to talk to Michael Hann about their plans to save rock and roll, about being perpetual outsiders, and about why emo is dead.
5: we have arrived in Britain amidst national hysteria the day after Margaret Thatcher has died. So on our way up to the studio, we we're chatting a little bit about Ronald Reagan. And I've been assuming that Ronald Reagan must have been his divisive figure in the States. But you were telling me, no, not at all. Certainly not in this way.
4: No, not in this way. And I think that in the States, for the most part, when somebody passes, I think if it's long enough distance or time from like whatever they were kind of known for doing... We I think they get celebrated more than. Yeah, there's right?
6: a, It's a. It's kind of an unspoken. I think that's that's something that's very American. Is like no. After someone dies, you definitely have to be like. Uh, I remember when Dick Cheney said a bunch of stuff about Ted Kennedy? It was like, you know, it was it It's it's really so. After Reagan died, you, everybody kind of had to be like, yeah, no, he was cool. You know, <laughs> I've
5: mean, been slightly surprised then by the vehemence of some of the reaction over here.
4: Yeah, and also because it's like your only understanding of. Margaret Thatcher is, like, through, like, Meryl Streep or whatever. You know, like, so it's like you don't, you know, like, everybody loves Meryl Streep, so I assume, you know, like, it's, you know, like, so it doesn't really make sense for, you know, I don't know. We should probably do more research or be taught more in in school. Um, Now, moving from death to return,
5: it has been the year of the dramatic Unexpected Return, David Bowie, My Bloody Valentine. And you, <laughs> yeah. now, what are the benefits of returning that way suddenly and, you know, dramatically? Why, why, why do people do it? I haven't <laughs> had the chance to ask David Bowie this. Yeah. Season, so. I have to say, by the way, his his was amazing because I'm kind of a Bowie nerd. So,
6: for lack of better word, I mean, it was fairly similar to what we ended up doing. Where it was like, it was like, hey, here's a here's a record and here's a video and like, here you go, all in one day, and it was this this big surprise and it was awesome. So I think that kind of. We we had already moved a a lot of started a lot of those gears moving when when he had done his and it just kind of made me more excited to do it because I was like as a fan I was like oh I hope our fans feel the way I feel about this right now because I'm so psyched on you know I'm so excited about Bowie
5: doing this record right now. Now how literally should we take your assertion that Fallout Boy saved rock and roll? (laughs) Oh, you know, we've always been uh, nothing but dead
4: serious at all times. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I guess
5: more to the point, does rock and roll need saving at yeah, the
6: moment?
4: Yeah, so like, we talked about it a little bit, uh, and I think that there's like two f- versions of rock and roll like in, in my head. There's like, you know, like the capital R rock and roll, which is like blues riffs and leather jackets and, you know, like whatever. It's like a thing, you know. I don't think that we w- would touch that or that's not anything that we interact with, really. But, like, Little our Rock and Roll feels like it does a little bit, you know. I mean, when people talk about Kanye West the way, you know, Kanye West's outfits the way they used to talk about Axl Rose's outfits and stuff like that, you know, I, I just think that there needs to be, like, a danger there again and there needs to be inspiring rock and roll heroes, you know. And maybe it's not us, but it does need to happen. And also, I
6: think, um, big or little are I think rock and roll is becoming fairly isolationist. And if you don't have, like, I, it's it's funny, I'll hear people talk about pop music as if it's some sort of genre, and it's really not. Pop music is the culmination of genres. Pop music is Kanye West playing a radio show with Shakira and Gautier because he had a huge single or whatever, right? And when those things co- co-mingle, that's when, that's what pop culture is, right? Well, there's not a lot of rock represented in in pop, in any of pop culture anymore. It's it's kind of it. There are a lot of bands that are making great rock and roll records, but they're they're kind of keeping to themselves right now. And I feel like it's kind of in danger of you know. It's like that's cool, but it's kind of, it's kind of becoming island geography right now, where it's like you know island biology. Sorry, where very quickly you have you know <laughs> elephants the size of squirrels and you know flightless
4: birds. Whatnot. Yeah. Like, you know, when you put a, out an ambitious title like that, you're always like, oh, I wonder what how the world's going <laughs> to react. But like the funny thing is like a lot of people like that are peers or like similar age are kind of like yeah like why yeah rock and roll kind of like does need a little bit of saving and i don't think that necessarily it's like it just boggles my mind like why we're the, the people asking the question kind of because we're like the geekiest <laughs> bunch yeah. of, you know like but it's like it just what qualifies <laughs> us man. but the, the
5: thing is people might be I mean, there's, there's a red herring here isn't there because uh, people will hear the title hear you talking about rock and roll here and they, they might imagine if they've not heard it that the record is all about feet and monitors and punching <laughs> yeah, yeah, the air. yeah And it, it's not at all. No, I mean, all. it's anyone expecting Sugar We're Going Down Part 2 is in for the shock of their lives, aren't they? It's, it's a huge arena pop record.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that initially when we were, you know, taking time off, I remember like kind of driving around and the only things that were playing on the radio that were like interesting to me that were semi-rock were like Gautier and, and Fun. Just bands like... I don't think that Fall Out was, like, never going to be, like, a pitchfork band or, like, you know, like, we're just... We're not that band. We're not those guys. That's not, like, the music that inspires us. But for me, a record like Dookie by Green Day, like, definitely was, like, a gatekeeper record for me where I was, like, oh, this is weird. Like, why are those guys, like, being played on the radio with all these, like, other things? And then, like, because you found out about Green Day, you found out about, like, Screeching Weasel and Minor Threat. And I feel like, if anything, that's what our we, we attempt to yeah, do.
6: Yeah, there's something always exciting to me about
5: being the guys that don't belong in the room you know like and we're and basically
6: always yeah <laughs> like never
4: belonging yeah.
5: <laughs> so you you would now position yourself as being the people who are making pop but are outsiders to pop as well as having already been the outsiders to punk yeah, yeah that you were I before th-
4: well yeah i mean i think that here's the interesting thing is that when we started out we were definitely outsiders and we weren't invited to the party and then eventually you become the status quo if it's successful. And, like, eventually we became the thing, you know, that, like, before we were kind of raging against. And now I think we're on the outside again just because, like, what are people – what are the expectations? Like, to me it's like the world kind of doesn't really owe us anything. People don't really expect anything. People do expect Sugar We're Going Down Part 2, kind of like a reunion tour to make a bunch of money and then, like – Boy soda or something, you know, whatever. But, like, you know, like, hopefully, like, we, we deliver something just, beverage. yeah, at least, I mean, it still could come
5: out. Yeah. <laughs> were the four of you all agreed on how the sound had to change, or, or were there, were, were there, was a soul-searching in the studio as you put the record together?
6: A kind of wonderful thing was that there was no discussion. I mean, it just kind of, we all felt it and all agreed with it. I think that's kind of a sign that it was it, it happened the way it needed to happen,
4: you know? I mean that being said, our our producer, Butch Walker, switching to him. Like I think we all knew that sonically this needed to remind people of why they what they loved about Fallboy, but not sound anything like that.
6: Yeah, I think sometimes you can sometimes you can get in a place, sorry to cut you off. Sometimes I think you can get to a place where you start doing an impression of yourself, you know, where you said something and I don't wanna <laughs> I'm not throwing him under the bus, I have to qualify that like times a billion. But it has to be hard for Anthony Hopkins to be Hannibal Lecter again because it became so pop culture relevant that like everyone does the hello Clarice,
4: you know, and you and like and like so when he gets Wait, up I and, didn't say that. I you thought, said it. No, you said it first. No, you said it, and then I just made the joke that it must be real hard to be Anthony Hopkins. No, this you said this years ago. Oh. I yes. did. Yeah, it was oh, it was
6: very wise and a very great it was point. Was a wiser <laughs> young man than <laughs> um, I am now. <laughs> but but that you know like you know in that same way you can kind of become you can kind of become a ripple of yourself or whatever and and so we kind of we that was something that we I guess consciously with Butch. were. Yeah,
4: and I think that like Butch has a really good he has great pop sensibilities working with somebody like Pink, but like also like does Nashville, does rock and roll, does like analog stuff. And it was good for us because we haven't been pushed in that way in a long time yeah. you know like we're the kind of band and we've talked about it before we're like a kitchen sink band you know, like, <laughs> where like i try to cram as many words as, syllables in as possible and patrick does like eight zillion vocal tracks and like butch was really like let's not do that like if you're gonna come out and you're gonna make the record that's a concise statement then it actually has to be concise you can't say that and then put got, like an ellipsis i've on gotta it. say if this is a, a strip back cut down minimal record god only knows what it might have sounded like before dude it was, it was so many it was like it was so many tracks and ideas it kind of like made it sound smaller before you yeah know what you what I'm know, well i
6: mean it becomes white noise you, you kind of square wave everything one one thing that um is funny i, I was talking to a a fan uh, i like to i like to talk to kids on twitter and see what you know just connect and whatever and somebody was What's up, my tweets? What What's up, tweets? Um, and somebody was asking me about, you know, like, you know, was expressing displeasure with the record or whatever, saying, you know, I really expected something more complicated. And I was like, that's interesting because I have to be honest, it was way hard, way harder to do something less complicated. You know, this was that was like a, a really big challenge. It's like it's like that. Um, I've read this quote attributed to a few people, so I'm not going to I'm not going to attribute it. But but, you know, I apologize for writing you a, a long letter. I, I, I didn't have time to write a short one, you know, and I think that's kind of part of the uh, mentality going into this record was was. And, and you're right. It's still kind of loud and brash and big. But like that was us like really paring it down, you know.
5: With you guys coming back with this record and with my chemical romance splitting has the old idea of emo just completely disappeared now or did you never identify as an emo band in the first place despite what people said about you
4: This is an interesting thing because in like we the scene that we grew up in in the Midwest there like was an actual like emo band scene and it was like these little bands like this band Right to Spring and Endpoint who identified as that, I think, you know, and I think then... And we were, we, ve- and we were very much outsiders in that world. And we were like. later, and we were playing a different kind of music, and I think that it was, like, angsty enough and, like, kind of caught this generation of kids that people kind of were like, oh, yeah, this is just, we're, we're going to create a genre for it. Like, essentially, like, the bands that tour and warp Tour and Look Weird and the, where the singers are effeminate and you know like it was just you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, well, I, think of, it, I think it's kind of like it's like any
6: Any one of those moments in in pop history where you look back and you go Nirvana and Pearl Jam were nothing alike. It's insane that they ever got compared to each other, but it was just like uh, They're both wearing flannel, I guess, you know And uh, and I feel like that was kind of something that happened with bands like us and my chem and and uh, the I guess Paramore and you know, we, we all got clumped together I think as a result, you know, some of us are friends, but most of us were coming from completely different places musically, you
4: know. And I don't feel like, like, I think it's, like, this, some of the reviews, like, used to be a lot more, s- like, snarky with saying the emo <laughs> thing. Now I think it's, like, an identifier, like, in the way yeah. that, like, if my mom was, like, looking at the band on the internet, she's like, oh, like, the emo band. Oh, are, are oh. you an, are you an emo band? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's, like, e- you know, so, like, it doesn't really, like, to me it doesn't bother me. I, like, mm-hmm. think it's funny, you know, whatever. It's just, it. there's nothing worse than, like, you know, like, I have, you know, like DJ friends who are like, I'm a producer, make sure they say on the flyer that I'm a producer, not a DJ. And you're like, yeah, like, I get that you're a producer, but like, everybody in the crowd, like, goes to see DJs, so just <laughs> let them call you a DJ, you know, or whatever.
6: Well, <laughs> these things, these things. You know, descriptors like, are like these, sometimes necessary. These like, things enter to the like, room before yeah. you do. You know, and and I think that's something that we've always lived with. I mean, in the first place, because Pete was in hardcore bands, and you know, was kind of the most uh, known of any of us in in his bands or whatever. Our first show, we were literally booked as you know Pete Wentz's new band, you know, whatever. And it was okay. It's the hardcore kids who were doing a non-hardcore record. Then we were a pop punk band, even though again, pop punk. There was a scene of that that we were not you know welcome to that party then we were the emo band you know because that thing happened and so you know again back to kind of some of the changes on the record i think you you have to strip away a lot of those affectations and just let yourself be the thing that you were in the in in the middle of all that in the middle of all those words swirling around you know
4: but that being said emo is over
0: That was Michael Han talking to Pete Wentz and Patrick Stumper, for Out Boy. Their new album, Save Rock and Roll, is out on Monday.
1: That's it for this week. Charlie, many thanks for coming in. It's been lovely to have you. Thanks very much for having me. Um, Kieran, we'll be out next week. We will. Of course. Um, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash music weekly for more info on the show and links to the Singles Club tracks. And of course, to have your say on any and all of the issues raised in this programme. Um, we'll see you next week.
5: Bye.
0: For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.